Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The company in question is 3M, the manufacturing giant. Their China subsidiary which is rather blandly named 3M China. They had a FCPA incident that happened roughly 2014 to 2018, according to the SEC's settlement order, where a China, Chinese marketing manager conspired with several travel agencies in that com- country to cover up secret tourism activities, which I think is a wonderful phrase. That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into the 3M FCPA enforcement action around secret and corrupt travel for foreign government officials. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. That we had a interesting SEC FCPA enforcement action, which, although relatively small and fine, I thought presented two or three pretty interesting points that we've actually discussed on three prior or prior episodes of Compliance into the Weeds. So I thought maybe we could take a look at that matter today. Would you like me to recitate the facts or do you want to? I think I can set the stage here. Yeah, the company in question is 3M, the manufacturing giant that is based out in Minnesota, which is one of the M's in the 3M name. Their China subsidiary, which is rather blandly named 3M China, they had a FCPA incident that happened roughly 2014 to 2018, according to the SEC's settlement order, where a China Chinese marketing manager conspired with several travel agencies in that com- country to cover up 
secret tourism activities, which I think is a wonderful phrase, that they had been planning for various government officials in China, I believe in the healthcare sector there. But they had arranged some fake travel itineraries in the United States to attend legitimate business events that were things like training sessions or site visits or conferences. But that was really just a cover story. Once the Chinese government officials arrived here, they also had a secret tourism agenda where they skipped town, played hooky, and then went and enjoyed their travel and their secret tourism entertainment instead of going to the legitimate business events. This netted 3M China about $3.5 million in revenue. They had actually tracked their expenses on this because the managers of 3M China wanted to know what is the ROI of these travel escapades because the managers, I guess they knew or they thought that this was a legitimate business travel and they wanted to know what are we spending our money on. So this was about a million dollars spent over the course of 24 trips, bringing, I think, several dozen Chinese officials to the United States and Australia, netted them about $3.5 million in revenue. And at the far end of all of this here, it was a settlement of $6.5 million paid to the SEC. There is no criminal component to this from the Justice Department yet. But they would take them on trips to, one was to St. Paul and Boston in 2017, where the Chinese officials didn't really go to any events at all. There was another one, Tom, my personal favorite, was in 2016, 3M China took five government officials on an eight-day trip to Chicago. Two of those officials had brought their spouses. One couple, they went to one day of this event, and then they ducked out for the rest of the trip and then didn't show up until the last day. And then another Chinese official attended one event on one day and then, quote, left Chicago and never returned. However, the Bears were 3-13 and 13 that season, so I'm wondering if he just saw a, caught a Bears game, got disgusted, and went home. I don't know. But, of course, all of this is inappropriate under the FCPA. This is a big books and records violation, and here we are. First, we have to note that Bear fans are incredibly loyal And it does not surprise me at all that a Chinese Bear fan would leave the tour, perhaps to go see more Bears games, but they would certainly be distraught. There's several things that I just have to talk about because they're too delicious. First of all, when the SEC uses the word secretly in an enforcement action, I think it's definitely not a good look. And that somebody's about to get spanked, and here it was, 3M China. Two. Many companies, U.S. and U.K. companies, have come to grief utilizing corrupt travel agents or agencies in China, the most prominent being GSK. And perhaps the risk of Chinese travel agencies needs to be elevated for those doing business in China to its own separate class. Three, and you spoke about this, the channeling, I think it was their inner J.P. Morgan, sons and daughters hiring practices, the tracking of the spend on the specific government officials to see if they purchased the products. It didn't relate whether that's in a spreadsheet or not, but although that may be a decent business practice from the legal and regulatory perspective, it's a terrible practice to uh, track your legal activities to determine your ROI. But here's the final one, and I'd like to spend some time on this, that the 
information around the travel was both created in written format that was hand-delivered to the Chinese government officials and that ephemeral messaging was used. And how I wanted to tie that into a prior podcast is we speculated what would it mean for U.S. public companies as opposed to regulated industries that allowed ephemeral messaging to be used. And I think we speculated that it would show, if not a criminal intent, at least a less than transparent attempt to do business ethically and in compliance. And this enforcement action coming on the heels of that discussion really drove home to me that message. And I wanted to maybe pitch that to you. Do you find that to be a legitimate lesson for the compliance professional in this enforcement action? It's an interesting side detour going from FCPA to ephemeral messaging. Although, Tom, one thing that you said, I don't know if it was intentional or not, when a company allows people to use ephemeral messaging, and we should be clear that my reading of this is that they were not using their WeChat apps with any formal blessing from 3M China. They were using their WeChat apps, which everybody in China uses, surreptitiously to hide what they were really doing from the managers, either at 3M China or certainly from 3M back home in Minnesota. So I do think it still doesn't quite answer my question about if you are using ephemeral messaging in the normal course of business, is that legal or not, or what kind of grief can it cause you? Although it does underline the point that when you are using ephemeral messaging in the course of illegal business activities, you have a problem, which is what we see here. It is also just interesting to see, yet again, as we have seen in so many different FCPA enforcement actions over the years, especially from the Securities and Exchange Commission, there are always secret spreadsheets or fake documentation, fake itineraries that's in the real ERP software system. But then behind the scenes, they're chatting on Gmail or WeChat or they're hand delivering documents if you want to go old school in your corruption, or they're using other improper channels to communicate and keeping a wholly separate source of books. The only thing I guess I'll give them credit for is if they are tracking their expenses and referring to the expenses for bribes on one hand, but then the fake itineraries that they're passing up to management. We always say you should use a single source of truth for all of your financial data. I guess they are. They're just then creating two separate realities. One, of course, is the bribe reality, and one is the baloney that they're running up to management. Okay, here we are. I had been thinking a bit, Tom, about how would a company try to catch this sort of misconduct? And my thought, I really zeroed in on not the approval processes, because they're giving fake documents to get approval to do this. It's more on the receipt end of the documentation. After the trips have happened, what can you show the compliance team so the compliance team knows they actually were physically there, there weren't any other funny side trips or anything like that. And that's where you would have to think long and hard as a compliance officer. What's the receipts and other post-event documentation you want to look at? I would recommend maybe that compliance officers look to their friends in the pharmaceutical sector because they operate under heavy regulation and oversight around getting a doctor to come to your symposium to talk about an illness 
and you pay for that or you're paying for a doctor's research projects or something and then miraculously the doctor is now prescribing your medicine and billing it to Medicare. Pharmaceutical compliance officers think about this night and day. And so they look a lot to, okay, there's an event. Who's on the program at the event? How do we actually know that these people were here? Please give me the sign-in sheet that was actually there for the event and who signed in every single day. That level of on-site documentation and post-event documentation, that might be one way to try and ferret out whether you're foreign government officials were actually at the thing that you're paying for or versus going to a Bears game or the Freedom Trail in Boston or whatever tourism there might be in St. Paul. I have to admit, I I don't know. But St. Paul showed up twice, by the way, as a fake tourism, secret tourism destination here. But that's where you would try and think through the ability to catch all this. I have no illusions that catching this is really hard, but it is what it is. And to further that, the point on the sort of post-event review or monitoring, in addition to the controls you mentioned, there were three instances or three evidences, rather, in the enforcement action order, which I thought were great ways to perhaps look at a trip post-closing to see if it was legitimate. And they were that the tourist activities were scheduled at the same time as the educational activities, that the educational activities were in English and the Chinese government officials and state officials of state-owned enterprises didn't speak English, nor did they have a translator. And then finally, that the Chinese officials, as noted, missed entire days of the educational events. So I think that this enforcement action provides a few different tactics that a compliance officer can use, maybe not to audit, but certainly test. And when we pair them together with the list you gave us, I think there's some pretty good things to look at and ideas compliance officers can use going forward. The one other thing I wanted to bring up, Matt, was how was this was funded? Because it, we saw the travel agencies overbilling and using the overbilling to create a pot of money to pay fines. We saw the Chinese officials billing the travel agencies directly for their expenses as opposed to submitting their receipts to 3M China. And then we saw distributors not related to this enforcement action, but 3M China distributors paying for portions of the non-reimbursable expenses. There was also some indicia from the payment side about how the pot of money was created to pay bribes. And that was another thing that jumped out at me, the distributors making payments at the behest of 3M China. Basically, the travel agency told the distributors, you pay us, and 3M China's marketing people who are involved in the scheme are the ones telling the travel agency to make this arrangement. If there were some way to track that your distributor was paying this vendor and also you're paying the vendor, like why would they be doing that? That if you had that level of data analytics, and I don't necessarily know that you could see all of the payments that your distributors are making, but that would be another thing. If you could somehow detect that other entities in your extended enterprise are making multiple payments to the same vendor, why is that? That would be another red flag worth looking at, in my opinion. So Matt, how should we maybe think through this enforcement action from a big picture. Do you think 
training, additional training components would help? Do we need more focused training for gatekeepers? Is China just corrupt no matter what U.S. company is doing business there and the risk is too high? Are there some sort of bigger lessons that we could draw from this one? If it's possible to say yes to all of those things, I probably would, especially the fact that China is just a highly corrupt country. My first question would be, you you mentioned training. Was this a pervasive problem? Really, we only have, to the best of our reading of the settlement order, one marketing manager who then, I presume, leaned on several other employees at 3M China. They make mention of that, that there was a small group doing this. But if most of the small group is basically just fearful for their jobs, so they're doing what the corrupt manager says, I don't necessarily know that a lot of training is going to help with one corrupt manager who is hell-bent on committing these corrupt acts. I do think that probably data analytics would be useful, but I still come back to post-event documentation. All the approvals in the world pre-trip aren't going to help you if these approvals are based on fake documentation. But it is going to be harder to get fake post-documentation if you're asking for the right sort of forms. And that's where I go back to consult with some of our friends in the pharma or healthcare sectors where they have exacting demands that they try to meet when they're escorting their version of a government official, which was a doctor or a medical professional of some kind. They go to great lengths to be able to track the movements of this doctor to make sure that he or she is has a legitimate business purpose, they have executed the transaction according to what everybody said, and that's probably going to be the best way to do this. As, all, as much as I'm in favor of a really good speak-up culture and training, if you've got one or two com- people who are really committed to committing a fraud, they're going to commit a fraud, and uh, you're going to have to look at harder evidence to root it out, not necessarily the softer control environment adjustments to prevent it. That would be nice, but I don't know how much that would have worked here. Matt, an interesting FCPA enforcement action, rather perhaps small in terms of dollars, but some pretty good lessons, and can't wait to see what we come up with next week. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning compliance into the weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog posts on this topic in the show notes. I hope you will check out the blog post for more information. I also hope you will listen to some of the new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. We premiered a podcast uh, with Richard Blundell on sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, Fox on podcasting, where I take a meta look at podcasting and compliance and AI. We are also developing some additional new shows, which will premiere in July. It's quite an exciting time on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to be a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, please give me a shout. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.